This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Uh, I want to say a good morning and a welcome to all of you, whether you're here in the building or you're online. I know we have a number of people who faithfully watch online. And together, we are a church. Together, we are a group of people that is learning how to walk with Jesus in ways that transform our lives, in ways that make a difference, first of all, in us, and then secondly, through us, make a difference in this world. And last Sunday, we went over three concepts that really were the heartbeat of Jesus' ministry And they are the heartbeat of our church. And I had you repeat them last week. I'm going to have you repeat them again, I will tell you. So it's not a pass-fail. You won't think, oh, I can't remember. Um, They are. Everyone's loved. Nobody's perfect. Anything's possible. Let's say it together. Ready? Everyone's loved. Nobody's perfect. Anything's possible. We're really going to press into the first part of that today. But before I get into teaching this morning, uh, for those of you who are brand new, I want to introduce myself. My name is Ron, and I am not only the founding pastor of this church, but this is the first Sunday of an interim period between our former lead pastor, Joel, who is now in Southern California in Simi Valley, and he's already on the staff of a church called Rocky Peak, and whoever our coming lead pastor is that we don't know yet. So we have an interim period, and the stewards have asked me to step in and be the interim lead pastor, so you are stuck with me for the next few months. Are you on board with that? We are going to... Yeah, you have no choice, but... (laughs) Hopefully, at the end of this time, you're going to look back and go, that was one fantastic interim period, okay? Churches are famous for sort of going into the dormant mode during the interim period and kind of waiting for the next lead pastor savior to come and lead them out of the boredom, okay? Can I tell you, we're not doing that. Are you on board with that? Our mission is still the same. And we have, we have some great things that God has called us to do. And we're going to be doing them in the interim. This, this teaching series called The Kingdom of Jesus. For the first five weeks, we're going to delve into these wonderful, I call them tension couplets that we're going to work on. And, and we're going to work on the first one today. And I'll get into that in just a minute, but we're going to be exploring the natural tension and yet partnership between things like love and truth. Next week, we're going to explore this combination of brokenness and transformation. The following week, we're going to push into diversity and unity. The week after that, we're, we're going to push into blessing and trial. And the final week, we're going to push into righteousness and grace. 
And we're going to learn some really interesting stuff in the process. Then we're going to go, then we're going to go into a teaching series that's combined with a ministry fair that's going to transform our lobby. And basically, our goal is going to be to fill every vacant volunteer position in our church. Are you up for that? Good. I'm glad you are. Because you are clapping for yourselves. Got it? Yeah, during this interim period, listen, it's going to take all of us serving together, all of us, and that means I'm going to be asking all of us to consider serving in areas where we're not currently serving. And that's going to stretch us and grow us and do some great things. It's going to take all of us giving And I'm going to challenge us to give maybe in ways that we aren't currently giving. And if you're coming to our church and you're not currently giving, I'm not here to beat you with a stick. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. But I am going to invite you maybe to start giving so that you can begin to feel like you're actually invested in what God's doing here. And if you are giving, I'm going to encourage and invite all of us to consider how we might give more and at a different level than we, than we currently are. Because if we're all willing to serve together and we're all willing to give together, God will do fantastic things through our church in this interim period. It's going to be amazing. So we're going to do this ministry fair. And then we're in, and that whole teaching series is going to be called The Kingdom of Jesus our place. And we're going to explore the kingdom of Jesus is for us. But the kingdom of Jesus is also in us. And then the final teaching in that series, the kingdom of Jesus is actually through us to the world. Uh, And then we're going to enter a a teaching series uh, where periodically throughout the year, we're going to be working our way through the, the book in the Bible called Ephesians. And this is a book where Paul writes it, and he's not dealing with problems in the church, and it's not deeply, deeply theological, but it is the clearest and most comprehensive outlay of what the way of Jesus looks like. Long before the followers of Jesus were called Christians, they were called members of the way. And the full title was Members of the Way of Jesus. They were learning how to live a completely different way from the rest of the world. And it's in the book of Ephesians that Paul lays out with great clarity what that looks like in real life. So uh, we're going we're to take uh, several weeks and, and work through the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. And then we have a class that we're going to launch in our church that will be repeated every three or four months. And uh, it's a class for people that are new to our church. It's to help all of us learn how to thrive. So the class is simply called Thrive. And rather than asking all of you to take the class, I'm going to take four weeks and teach us through that material. And we're going to learn that our faith is like a grain of mustard, a mustard seed. And the interesting thing about a seed is if you put it in the right conditions, it grows and flourishes and thrives. But if you don't put it in the right condition, it might never grow, might never sprout, or it might struggle. 
So we're going to look at what are the conditions that you and I can take our faith, where can we put our faith where it can actually thrive? And then when we're done with that, we'll take another little stop in the book of Ephesians. And then uh, when we're done with that, we're at, by that time it's December. Can you believe that? In December, we're going to do this fascinating series called Christmas. It's more than just a story. And we're going to look at it's more than just a story because it actually happened. It's not a story. And we're going to look at the historicity of Jesus. We're going to look at Christmas in light of the fact it's more than a story because Christmas actually changed the entire path of the world. And then we're going to pull all the stops out and we're going to look at Christmas is more than a story because it actually changed eternity. And then Christmas Day is a Sunday. Did you know that? It is. We are actually going to have a church service here on Christmas Day. Okay? It's not going to happen until 11 o'clock, so you have time to sleep in, unless you have kids, and then you won't sleep in. I know how that goes. Or grandkids. Um, but when you're done with your family and having breakfast, you can come here and we're going we're gonna to have sort of a dial back, a uh, little bit of the feel we had this morning with an acoustic set. We're going to sing some Christmas carols. And for all of you who have been watching or have watched through the series called The Chosen, fantastic series about the life of Jesus, before those people put together The Chosen, they put together one episode about the birth of Jesus simply called The Shepherd. And we're going to watch the video that morning. It will, be, it will be a touching time. I can guarantee it. Then in the new year, we have a whole new ministry to launch in our church. And that ministry is called Impact. Okay? And it will impact our church and I believe God's going to use it to impact our community in the greatest way possible. I can't wait. I have been sitting on this idea for six years. And we are going to be ready to launch it in January. Are you ready for that? It's going to be, it's going to be. So we have all this stuff to do. This is going to be a fantastic interim period. And somewhere in the background, God is going to be searching and seeking out our next lead pastor. And he's going to be figuring out who that is and hooking us up with them and starting the process of bringing them to us. Okay. This Thursday, in your weekly update, this is why you want to fill out one of those connect cards and drop it in the slotted boxes so you get on our mailing list. This Thursday in the weekly update, you're going to get an FAQ sheet that begins to outline our interim plan for our church. I've told you a little bit of it, just the teaching series part. But we have a whole interim plan we're working on, and so we want to begin to unfold that for you this Thursday and then a week or two after that, we will make available to you the entire interim plan. Uh, it, it's going to be good. It's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. And it's really going to set up our church to do some really fantastic things this fall and winter. 
once we have the interim plan in place, then we're going to turn our attention to finding a new lead pastor. That makes sense to everybody? Yeah. yeah. So a number of you have been coming up to me saying, are we interviewing anybody yet? I can tell you, relax, Max. <laughs> it's coming. Okay. But first things first. Okay. Let's get the interim plan in place. Let's get us all working and serving and giving together. And then we can begin to find a lead pastor. And oh, by the way, as our church begins to thrive and really accomplish its mission, I believe God will bring us a lead pastor who looks at this church and goes, I want to lead that. Okay? So I want to pray over us, and then I'll begin to teach. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for the amazing ways you have worked through us over the last 24 years. Thank you for every person who's found Jesus here. Thank you for the people that in the next few months are going to find Jesus through this church and their lives will never, ever, ever be the same. Not because of this church, but because of you. And yet, you will use us as the human agents for that to happen. So would you guide us through this interim period? Would you guide me as the interim lead pastor to be a wise, caring, loving, collaborative leader through whom you can do whatever you want? Already up front, God, we say yes to you in whatever you ask of us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, are you ready to learn? All right, I want to start out with a slide. Take a look up here. The kingdom of Jesus is this beautiful, wonderful, messy place. We don't usually use those words together, do we? Beautiful, wonderful, and messy. But it is. It is this beautiful, wonderful, messy place because it is a mixture of heaven and earth. And in some ways, heaven and earth are like oil and water. They don't usually mix well. And so sometimes when you look at the kingdom of Jesus, it seems very heavenly. And then other times when you look at the kingdom of Jesus, it seems very earthly. That's what makes it messy. But also it's filled with people who each bring their brokenness with them. Can you just admit with me and say this out loud? I am broken. Can you say, I am broken. Thank you. Yes. Next week, we're going to press into brokenness and transformation. But the truth is what makes the kingdom of Jesus both beautiful and messy is that it's filled with broken people who are somehow finding a way in Jesus to walk together in peace and love and harmony. The kingdom of Jesus, as, as we learn in this kingdom, Jesus calls us to hold some very high values that sometimes pull us in different directions. <coughs> some people have said these things actually compete against each other. They don't. We'll press into that a little bit more. 
But I want us to know, like today we're talking about truth and love. And sometimes love wants to pull us this way, and sometimes truth wants to pull us that way. Guys, if you're married, you have been in this spot before where love pulls you one way and truth pulls you another way. When your wife comes out with a new dress and says, Honey, do I look fat in this dress? <laughs> there are so many times when love wants to pull us one way and truth wants to pull us another way. There are times when brokenness is like this, but transformation is pulling us this way. There are times when the brokenness of another person is pulling them, them this way, but the transformation of Christ is pulling them or us that way. And the, here's what I want us to know. The kingdom of Jesus doesn't resolve the tension. It teaches us how to live in the tension. And friend, if you don't feel the tension between truth and love, it's because you've already been sucked to one side or the other. And Jesus calls us to this wonderful tension. And last of all, holding these values in a healthy balance often requires superhuman wisdom. We're going to press into that. Here's a couple of other principles. This is what makes the kingdom of Jesus so beautiful. If the kingdom of Jesus were all love, it would feel good, but it wouldn't change anybody's life. We would just be, we would just be singing songs while the Titanic goes down. It'd feel good, but in the end, it's not the result we want. If the kingdom of Jesus were all truth, the Titanic would still go down, but instead of singing, we would be slugging it out. But what makes the kingdom of Jesus beautiful is that he calls us to pull truth and love together in such a way that each brings out the best in the other. And this is what makes the kingdom of Jesus so challenging and so adventuresome. It is my favorite thing about living on planet Earth. It's the greatest adventure that we could ever experience. Now, these values that sometimes pull us in different directions, they don't actually compete with each other, but they do have significantly different pulls on us. And when held in a healthy balance or tension, they work together, actually, in ways that bring out the best in each of these. So let's start with some understandings about your nature and mine. And the first is this. In these values couplets, we each have a natural tendency that inclines us toward one value more than the other. Some of you are just black and white. It's either right or wrong. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to be direct. Any, can anybody cop to that? Good. I love all of you. <laughs> Some of you are people that, man, I am so drawn to love people and I have to work at sometimes sharing a difficult truth with them 
because I wouldn't want to hurt anybody. Anybody cop to that? I love all of you too. Okay? That's just how it is in the kingdom of Jesus. Now, in this kingdom, Jesus calls us to hold all these values in highest regard in a tender, beautiful, challenging balance. And so today, we're going to dig into a little bit of this subject of here's truth and here's love and what do we do with that? Now, it's very clear that Jesus was directly connected with truth and he held it in very high regard. Take a look at these passages that I'm going to read to you. John writes and says, grace and truth came through Jesus. John also writes and records what Jesus said to the king when he was on trial for his life. He said, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to what? The truth. You can't separate Jesus from truth. Okay, let me read a couple more to you. Over and over again, Jesus, depending upon what translation you use, if you use one of the older translations, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say it to you. Over and over again, if you read one of the newer translations, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. By the way, as you're reading through the life of Jesus, every time he uses that statement, you know what that should be for you? It ought to be a blinking light that goes, pay attention to what's next. Because Jesus is about ready to reveal the truth that'll be really good for us. And Jesus said this, you will know the truth and the truth will actually liberate you or set you free. So to whatever degree you and I understand what is actually true, it brings freedom in our lives. So let's look at the corollary to that principle. To whatever degree you and I believe something to be true that isn't actually true, therefore we're believing something that's false. To whatever degree that is in our lives, it brings bondage. That's when it gets serious, right? Yeah. I don't want to live in bondage. I want to be set free. But Jesus was also inseparably connected with love. Take a look at these passages. Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Can I just pull over to the side of the road a minute? And not to devalue it at all. But Jesus didn't say, I'm bringing you a new commandment. Tell the truth to each other. Now, that's important, but he never actually put that in the form of a command. Huh? He said, love each other just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. He also said this, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my followers. What's the hallmark of every follower of Jesus when they see the love you have for each other. Can I pull over to the side of the road and stop teaching for a minute and just talk about something that grieves me? When you turn on your TV and you see Christians portrayed in the news, are they usually doing something loving? That kills me. 
That was never what Jesus had in mind. He goes on to say, by how you love each other. Let me read you two more. A guy came to Jesus one day and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, here it is. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is equally important. And here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot separate Jesus and love just like you can't separate Jesus and truth. He was about both. And then last of all, one of Jesus' closest and most devoted followers wrote this to the Jesus followers of his day over all these virtues, and he just listed a whole bunch of them. He said, put on love, which somehow binds them all together in perfect unity. So let's be honest about this, okay? Dropping a truth bomb on somebody is not loving. Have you ever had someone drop a truth bomb on you? Yeah, I don't even need to tell you what it is, right? You know. But I want you to think about something for a minute. What makes it a bomb? I'll tell you what makes it a bomb. A bomb is something that someone drops on you that you don't want. Right? A bomb is something that someone drops on you that you don't expect. And a bomb is something that is destructive to you and may even bring joy to them. Okay? We have all had a truth bomb dropped on us. Right? Okay? This is where it gets a little more serious. Unfortunately, we have probably all dropped a truth bomb on somebody else. Can you cop to that? Yeah, we have. Okay. So dropping a truth bomb on somebody, that's not loving. But withholding the truth from them isn't loving either, is it? No. So we have to learn how to walk in that tension. Now, Jesus was God in human flesh, and he experienced that same tension, and he walked in it. Take a look at the screen. Jesus said to his 12 closest followers, there is so much more I want to tell you. What would that be? Truth, right? So much truth I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. If I drop it on you now, it's a bomb. It's not going to help. But I want to. Yeah. So Jesus had to choose the time and the place and the words before he would unveil the truth to someone. But did Jesus always wait till he knew they would receive it? Well, no. Take a look at this next story. <coughs> A guy came to Jesus one day and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they have this wonderful conversation. And Jesus basically says to him, you need to keep the commandments and the law. And the guy says, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Look at this. There's this interesting sentence right in the middle of this story. Looking at the man, would you read the parts in, in yellow with me, please? Jesus felt 
genuine love for him. Oh, my goodness. That, my friends, is a game changer. Not only did Jesus feel genuine love for this man, but this man actually already knew that Jesus loved him. That's why he came to him and called him rabbi, which means honored teacher. And then Jesus said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Jesus didn't spare even a difficult truth from this man. You know what he knew about this man? You don't actually own your possessions. The unfortunate part is your possessions own you. And they did. And Jesus knew as long as his possessions owned him, he could and would never grasp the concepts of the kingdom of Jesus. Because when things of this world are too important for us and to us, they block out the principles of the kingdom of Jesus. Does that make sense to everybody? That's a hard one, right? That is hard. <clears throat> Here's what I want us to know. Jesus led with unconditional love and unshakable love, and then he followed by presenting the truth, even difficult truth in that context. What did Jesus lead with? Love. What did he follow with? Truth. So often, not in this church, but in many churches, we get that backwards. We lead with the truth, and if people will accept the truth, we'll love them. Nope. That's not the Jesus way. That's not how it's supposed to be in the kingdom of Jesus. Take your eyes off the screen for a minute and just listen to me. This is why it is vitally important that you and I are continually working on building relationships of love all the time. I want to pick on myself for just a minute, and I'm going to use Sean sitting down here as an example. Sean, if you're mad at me later, you could tell me, all right? One of the reasons... I want to be working on building a relationship of love with Sean right now to where Sean knows that I love him and there's almost nothing that I wouldn't do for him because there may come a point in the future where I need to sit down and share a difficult truth with Sean. But if I haven't built the relationship of love I have no platform now from which to share that truth. This is why in the kingdom of Jesus, we are called to build relationships of love all the time. Because you never know when we're going to need that platform. This is why the first in our triplet of statements is what? Everyone's loved. 
right. That's how it has to begin. That's where it began with Jesus. Was everyone happy with Jesus about that? No. They, they thought he was weak, not spiritual enough, because he wasn't dropping truth bombs on everybody, especially people that the religious leaders felt needed a bomb or two. Notice what Jesus said about himself. He said, you say, I am a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That was one of his major criticisms. Can I share something with you? If that's the major criticism people have of new life, I'm going to jump up and down and do a happy dance. That we are the friend of sinners. May God help us to be that with all of our hearts. So what does this look like when you deeply love someone, but you have to share a truth with them? I just wanted to lift a story out of the life of Jesus where you can see him do this. Jesus had 12 followers that were his closest followers. And he loved, he was with them pretty much 24-7 for three years. And at the end of his life, Jesus is going to Jerusalem and he knows that he's going to allow himself to be arrested, to be put through a mock trial, to be condemned to death, and to be crucified. And he tells the 12, hey, heads up, this is what's coming down. Peter, being Peter, that's never happening. <laughs> I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen. Now watch Jesus. That Simon, who is Peter's other name, Simon knows that there's nothing Jesus wouldn't do for him. He loves him that much. Notice what Jesus says to Simon. Simon, Simon. By the way, when your parents repeat your first name twice, good idea to pay attention, <laughs> right? Because the next step is they're going to call your first name and your middle name, right? And if they ever get to all three names, the fur is going to hit the fan and the fan might be on the backside of your lap. At least that's how it was in my home, okay? Jesus looks at Simon and says, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Good news or bad news? You're not sure? <laughs> if you get a message from God saying Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, that's not good. <laughs> that's tough. He goes on to say, but I have what? Pleaded in prayer for you. Does Jesus love Simon? Oh, yeah. I've pleaded in prayer for you, Simon. And then the next part's not good news. That your faith should not fail. So when you have repented, you know when a thing hasn't happened and Jesus is already talking to you about repenting? That's not good, right? <laughs> you know that that's not going to go in the right direction. But Simon, listen, buddy. I pray that your faith is not going to fail 
But the truth is, it's going to. But there's good news on the other side of that bad news. Because Simon, I still love you. I still believe in you. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I got a job for you, buddy. There's so many more things we could say about this. I want to close with two, with two things. I want to close with a guiding principle. And there's this wonderful principle of Scripture that I want us to just read and let it soak in. Paul writes to his friends in the church uh, at Ephesus. This is this book. We're going to be working our way through this year. And in the fourth chapter, Paul says this, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. What's that about? That's about knowing the truth, right? Yeah, so we won't be tossed about by things that aren't true. He goes on to say, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. That's the opposite of truth. So clever, they sound like the truth. Yeah, it's important that we believe what's true. He goes on to say, instead, we will speak the truth out in love. And when we do that, we will grow in every way more and more like whom? Like Christ. This is how it is in the kingdom of Jesus, where we walk with truth and love. And love brings out and adds strength to the truth. And the truth adds freedom and clarity to love. I want to tell you what this looks like in my life. As a lead pastor, as a pastor, even as a person, I often find myself in situations where I have to share a difficult truth with somebody. How do I know when to share it? How do I know how to share it? Well, here is an agreement I have with myself and I've shared this with God and I've made him, I've made him this promise. And I have, I have really lived by this for decades. When I have to share a difficult truth with someone, I will not do it until the love I feel for them is far greater than my desire to correct them. And when that condition exists, I will be able to speak the truth to them in love. And you know what? When my love for them is that great, it's not that hard to choose the words. But when you're really struggling to choose the words, you probably don't have a word problem, you have a love problem. That's what I've learned about myself. But we have more than just a guiding, a guiding principle. We also have a guiding presence. Okay? I want you to see what Jesus said to his followers. 
don't worry about how to respond or what to say. And he was sending them out into the world and he knew they were going to be falsely accused. And they were going to have all these conversations that had awkward moments in them. And he said, don't worry about what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time for it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. Wow. Simple question. Have you ever said something you wish you could take back? Here's what I know. That was not the Spirit of God speaking through you. Okay? If we're going to walk in this kingdom of Jesus, we have to tap into this guiding presence of God's Spirit and say, God, would you direct my thoughts? Would you build the love in my heart so that my love for this person far exceeds any desire I have to set them straight? And would you help me to love them even if they don't accept what I have to say? I have a good friend. His name happens to be Ron like mine. And we were good friends when we both lived in Hawaii. And Ron was far away from Jesus. And he had been through a couple of uh, addiction treatment uh, programs and he was the CEO of the largest liquor distributing firm uh, on the Hawaiian Islands. And uh, his wife came to church and he and his wife became good friends with Monica and me. And I, I really came to love Ron and he was a little rough around the edges, but he was a good guy. And, and we would go play golf together and he and his wife and Monica and I would go to the Honolulu Symphony together and then we would walk across the street to TGI Fridays and eat some of their appetizers. And we just had this wonderful friendship and Greg Laurie with, um, was coming with a crusade to Honolulu to Aloha Stadium and I really wanted to invite Ron to come and be my guest hoping that he would accept Jesus there. So one day I picked up the phone and Ron answered, and I said, hey, Ron, I don't know if you've heard, but Greg Laurie is coming with a crusade to Aloha Stadium, and I'm going to go, and I just wanted to know if you would come and be my guest. Yeah, that's what I heard on the other end. <laughs> there was this long, awkward silence and one simple phrase. You know me, I don't do that stuff. Wow. Now, Ron fully expected that would be the end of our relationship. I knew it couldn't be. I picked up the phone about three days later. I called Ron and he answered and I said, hey, Ron, you got time to go golfing this Saturday? There was a big, long pause on the other end. And he said, I didn't think you'd be calling me again. I said, Ron, you're my friend. I love you. I, I know we don't see faith the same. It's okay. He said, yeah, I'll go golfing. You know what I was doing? 
I was continuing to build the relationship of love, hoping that there would be a future time when I could share the truth with Ron. And it came about three months later. I was sitting in my office, working on something, and the phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was my buddy Ron. And he was sobbing like a four-year-old kid. I said, Ron, what's up? He says, is there any way you could come down to Queen's Hotel? I mean, to Queen's Hospital. And Vicki and I are sitting here in the waiting room and she's just been diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And we don't have a clue what to do. I said, Ron, I'll be right there. I picked up the phone, I called Monica and I said, hey, would you go with me to Queen's Hospital and, and be with Ron and Vicki? This is what's coming down. The end result of all of that is Ron started attending a Bible study in our home. And a few months later, he chose to become a follower of Jesus. And he is one of my great friends to this day. I didn't get it right the first time. I tried. But when I had the opportunity to continue building a relationship of love, I chose to. And when the time was right, God made it happen. I want to close with a prayer. And I also want to thank you for indulging me a little extra time today to cast some vision. And hopefully it hasn't seemed too long to you. All right? If you'll take out this, this little thing. For those of you who want to grow your faith, I want to encourage you to take this with you and to pray through this a few times this week. And here it is. Lord, increase my love in my ability to love people, even people I don't naturally like. Secondly, Lord, increase my ability to express love openly and freely to all people. Lord, increase my ability to hear from you when the time is right to share a difficult truth with someone I deeply love. Lord, show me how to always share truth in a setting of deep and unshakable love for the other person. Father, those are our prayers this morning. We love being in your kingdom. For those of us who are not part of your kingdom yet, Lord, would you make this the morning when they choose to say, I want to be in that kingdom where my spirit and my soul and my mind is stirred deeply and where the very best of what you've put in me could be brought out. Lord, would you give us a great week of growing our faith, growing our love, and growing in our ability to speak the truth in love. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.